0: Welcome back to I'm Open Podcast. I've got my buddy, Elijah Penny, calling in for the second half of the episode. We have some great topics today. We're going to be talking about a very misunderstood fish head outrage over a brand new painting and performance-enhancing drugs. But no, not those kind of performance-enhancing drugs. All this and so much more coming up next on I'm Open Podcast. Open Family. We are so blessed to be celebrating the day with you guys. We've got so many things to discuss today, so let's just jump right into it. As you know, if you know me by now, and if you don't know me by now, then this is a great chance to get to know me. I'm happy most of the time. I try to stay positive, and I try to be happy as much as I can control it, but somebody who has not been feeling that happy today has been a fellow by the name of Larry Bird. Now, Larry Bird was a legendary hooper for the Boston Celtics. But before his tenure on the Celtics, he comes from the 38th largest state in the union, the state with two I's and two A's, the Hoosier State, Indiana. That's where Larry Bird is from. He played for Indiana State University before he went on to have a very successful and legendary career Hall of Fame career with the Celtics. Now, why is Larry Bird in the news right now when he's retired years ago? Well, of course, he's a legend in Indiana, as I just mentioned. So just recently, a mural has appeared. Mural? Is that right? Mural. Just recently, a mural has appeared in Indianapolis. And that is a mural of Larry Bird, with making a little shush face with his finger in front of his face. And it's a shout-out to actually a Sports Illustrated cover from 1977 when Larry was a star for uh, indiana state university so seems like a big compliment to larry but the problem is the artist jules muck who painted the mural, you know, created a rendition of larry with a bunch of tattoos so it's sort of a modern take on the classic photograph so There's a basketball on his palm. There's a 76 on his right shoulder for, I guess, the year prior to the photo. There's two rabbits uh, banging on his forearm. I'm not sure how that connects to Larry Bird. Um, There's also the word bird. On his knuckles, there's a uh, spider web on his shoulder. There's a little shamrock, I guess, for the Celtics on his bicep. The word Indiana and a cardinal for uh, the the logo, uh, the mascot of Indiana State on his cheek. So it's a whole, like, modernized, you know, version of Larry Bird tatted up. Larry, he didn't really like that. He doesn't have tats in real life and he felt like that wasn't a correct representation of him. So he actually got his attorney to contact the artist and he said Larry needs to protect his brand and he doesn't want to be seen as a tattooed guy. Now I understand he's got to protect his brand but he doesn't want to be seen as a tattooed guy. Currently in the NBA you are not allowed to play if you don't have a tattoo. That's the official rule created by the commissioner, Adam Silver. If you do not have a tattoo on your body, you will be removed from your team. And that's a current requirement for being in the NBA. So I, I understand Larry, he feels like the mural doesn't correctly reflect his appearance. Yeah, it's a painting. It's an artistic rendition, reimagination. That's why it's art, Larry. That's why it's art. But don't you think that kind of alienates you from the modern guys here in the NBA, LeBron James? Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, James Harden—the modern superstars of the game—they're all tat—they're all tatted guys or tattooed guys, as uh, Larry Bird's attorney would say. So Muck, what she said was she couldn't really do an exact exact copy of the photo because that's copyright infringement, duh. So she had to create her own version. So she wouldn't be sued for just copying the photo. So what's she supposed to do? She's not supposed to copy it. She's not supposed to change it. I mean, she's just trying to pay homage to the man who's a legend in her state. So, you know, they were luckily able to come to an agreement here, which was that they can keep just the word Indiana, which is tatted, uh, in script on his arm. In the, not in real life, in the, in the mural. So, they can keep the word Indiana. Other than that, they can't keep any of the tats. They're going to paint over him with just his normal little pasty skin tone. The artist, it hurts to have someone as an artist say they don't like what you produced. Now, she put so much time into this. It's a huge mural that takes up the whole side of a house. She obviously loves Larry Bird. And, you know, like I said, really he is idolized in that state. So, God, that must really sting. To have somebody who you looked up to and who you've probably looked up to for your whole life say they don't like a piece of art you've created. Because, you know, it's so vulnerable to share your art. You're working on it. You're working on it. You're working on it without having the whole public see it. And when the public finally sees it, and then when they say they hate it, not just the general public, but the actual subject, the muse, shout out to Kobe's Muse Cage, the actual muse, the inspiration for your art says they don't like your art. Man, does that hurt. Imagine if Mona Lisa had gone up to uh, Vincent Van Gogh. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm not that dumb. Imagine if Mona Lisa had gone right up to Da Vinci and been like, you know what? I don't really like it. My chin doesn't look like that. Man, he might have just burned the painting right on the spot or painted over her chin. And then we never would have gotten the Mona Lisa that we get to enjoy today. Okay. Imagine if some mice had gone to Walt Disney and bit him on the little big toe and said, we don't like the way you're portraying us in these cartoons. That's not really the way our ears look. We can't walk upright. And then he would have said, okay, fine. I understand. I'm canceling the character Mickey Mouse and you don't have to worry about that anymore. I mean, with this criticism, with these people being so sensitive, this puts us at a risk to lose some incredible artistic contributions to the world. Imagine if Drake, as he was in the studio working on American smash hit hotline bling, imagine if Verizon or T-Mobile or Cricket Wireless or Sprint or Nextel had called up Drake and they said, you know, our hotline um doesn't really bling, it actually rings. So would you mind changing the song to the hotline ring? And then could you throw in something about how the family plan now includes up to six G's of data? No! then we don't get the hotline bling that we want and that we need and that that really helped move this country forward, okay? So, I understand Larry Bird. He's trying to protect his brand. He doesn't want people to think he has tattoos. First of all, we all know you don't have tattoos, Larry. We all know you don't have tattoos. There's a lot of pictures of you. You're currently a very old white man. We've seen pictures of when you were a young white man without tattoos. We know how you look. We know you don't have tattoos. Nobody's going to see one mural and then suddenly imagine that Larry Bird or think, assume that Larry Bird has tattoos. We all know you don't, Larry, so don't even worry about that. And I just feel bad for Jules because she said, look, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or brand, so I'm flexible. This is another human being that's obviously not liking it. If he was happy and thought it was funny, that's a different story. You can hear. You can hear from that quote, the pain in her heart. And the pain in her words that she had to change this. I'm glad that they were able to work out some sort of a compromise. I'm glad that he at least was willing to keep his shout out to the huger state. The 38th largest state in the union. The 17th most populous state, Indiana. And I guess that that was where they were able to make a compromise. And this makes me wonder if he so, so clearly did not want to be considered to be a tattooed guy. Maybe maybe this artist, maybe Jules has turned Larry's mind about tattoos. Maybe he actually likes the Indiana tattoo. And maybe after all this, he actually is considering getting an Indiana script tattoo on his arm because he obviously takes the art very literally. He doesn't want anybody to see this painting and assume that he has tattoos, just like People who made clocks were probably very concerned about Salvador Dali's paintings that people would think that their clocks were melting and therefore did not accurately represent time so it's really it can really be dangerous when you just when you accept the direct literal interpretation of art Art is creative expression. Art is sometimes uh, supernatural, psychological, emotional. It doesn't always just depict the straight, literal, physical representation of the world. I mean, when Soldier Boy sings about kissing, kissing someone through the phone, a lover, maybe a romantic partner, maybe someone who's, he's never met. He's just been sexting or, or meeting online. But when he talks about kissing through the phone, I hope people don't actually as, uh, start, you know, smooching and, and licking, uh, depending on if they like to French kiss or not, you know, putting their mouth on their actual phone in that sort of intimate way. Cause that's not the way it works. And your saliva cannot actually transfer through the air to another person's phone and neither can your lips. Or the feeling of, uh, you know, your tongue inside someone's mouth. So when you say kissing through the phone, I hope people realize you can't literally kiss through the phone just like I wish Larry would realize. We don't literally think that you have tattoos. It's art, Larry. It's art. It's art. The person, the artist, is trying to pay tribute to you, trying to connect you to the youth, but you clearly don't want to be connected to the youth if you don't even want to be considered to be a tattooed guy, as his lawyer said. Well, I'm Open Family, let's move on to another tattooed guy. Everyone said New York was a homecoming for him, but really, this man is West Baltimore's finest. I'm talking about the legend Carmelo Anthony. And doesn't that just sound so good before we go on? Just some people's names are just made To be announced over a loudspeaker in an arena and they just roll off your tongue and it's just made to just Carmelo Anthony. Some people's names just sound so good rolling off the tongue when you're announcing them or when they have a dunk or when they have a big three-pointer and sadly for Carmelo no one's announced his name and he hasn't played basketball for a while and that's actually one thing he does have in common with Larry Bird but you know a lot of people are concerned Carmelo, he's obviously a legend in the game. He won a championship at Syracuse. He's a multi, multi all-star playing for the Knicks, the Denver Nuggets, and a couple other teams that he had just short, short stints on, the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And a lot of his teammates, former teammates, former friends, are voicing their concerns, are voicing their doubts. Why is Carmelo not on a team? This guy's our friend. This guy's one of the best players we've ever played with. We've seen him score bucket after bucket after bucket. We've seen him lead his teams to the playoffs. Why is this man not on a team? And former first-round pick, Royce White, who, um, he actually had to stop playing hoops for his own reason. He was really scared of... Flying And it was hard to accommodate that with the NBA travel. So now he plays in the big three league, which is like sort of a three on three league created by Ice Cube for uh, older or retired, semi-retired, I guess now basketball players. And he came out and he also had some strong words about Melo and about the way the NBA has been treating Carmelo. Anthony, he said, Melo is absolutely being blackballed. He's one of the realest in the league. He's given too much to the game for them to not allow him to play for them or to kind of culturally just make an agreement that he's not good enough anymore. All of us here that played the game at the highest level know how good Melo is. He went on to say, We know that there's no way that the Lakers would go out and sign Jared Dudley and not sign Carmelo Anthony. If anybody's watching this thinks that Jared Dudley can hold Carmelo's strap, I'll slap you. So, okay, we have a lot to unpack here. First of all, the Lakers did sign Jared Dudley instead of Carmelo Anthony. So I'm not sure when he says, we know there's no way the Lakers would go out and sign Jared Dudley and not Carmelo. Maybe he's saying they shouldn't have done it. Maybe he's saying there's some sort of a conspiracy and that's why they do it. But they did sign Jared Dudley instead of Carmelo. But also, why do you need to pick out on Jared Dudley? Why is it just Jared Dudley? Jared Dudley's good at basketball, he's had a long NBA career, he's not a superstar player, but guess what? That's why the Lakers wanted him, okay? Not everybody can be the superstar. We all want to be the superstar, and I'm sure all these guys in the NBA grow up thinking that they are a superstar and having everyone around them telling them that they are a superstar and they're the greatest thing they've ever seen. But eventually, every team can't have 15 superstars. Because then what's going to happen, everybody's going to be crying when they don't get the most shots. Everybody's going to be disappointed when ESPN doesn't ask them for an interview. Everybody's going to be sad when they're not the highest paid player on the team. So you've never had a successful team where all 15 guys think they are superstars and think they're the best player on the team. That's part of building team chemistry no matter if you're playing sports, if you're playing football, basketball, etc. Or if you're in an office, in a family scenario camping girl scout troop no matter where you are if you are working in a team team chemistry is so crucial in your office if everybody thinks they're gonna they're the boss Everybody's just going to be shouting back and forth, sending memos at each other all day. Sometimes you need people to fall in line. You need people to know their roles. Why are the Warriors, why have they been so successful over the last five years or so? Yeah, they do have some awesome players. But part of what makes these players awesome, Clay Thompson. He's one of the best shooters the game has ever seen. A lot of people actually think his shooting mechanics are even better than Steph Curry's. But guess what? Clay. He does not think he's the best player on the team. He doesn't think he needs to be the superstar on the team. He steps up when they need him to step up, of course. But he's willing to step, take a step back and let Steph get more of the attention, get more shots. Look at Draymond Green. Same thing. He knows his role is not to score 20 points or 30 points. His role is to play gritty defense, punch a guy in the nuts every once in a while, dive on the floor, go for loose balls, go for steals, go for blocks, and really just get in the other team's face and just hustle, be aggressive. Everyone has to know their role. So that's just why it makes me so mad when you criticize someone like Jared Dudley. First of all, it is not Jared Dudley's fault that Melo is not in the NBA. I'm sure if you asked Jared Dudley, he would probably say, yeah, I agree Mello should be in the NBA. He's a good player. But second of all, it's not just based off of how good you are. It's not just your talent that decides whether or not you are going to get a job. And that goes for everything as well, okay? You could have the best cooking skills, the best knife skills, spice everything up great, but if you show up to work late every day and get in a fight with the sous chef, they are not going to hire you. Team chemistry is so crucial in any job. When you look deep down, that is the issue with Melo. Nobody's not nobody saying that he's not good at basketball. I think everybody agrees that he's good at basketball. But in terms of knowing your roles, in terms of knowing where you fit in on a team, what you need to do to help your team win, that's maybe what what, what Melo is not able to do. It's not about the physical play. Yeah, his play is not where it was before, but Melo has to accept I'm not the best player. I'm not even the second best player on my team. I might be the seventh or eighth best player. And that's the mentality that is holding him back. That Mello, in a way, still thinks of himself as an all-star. So how is he supposed to just blend in and just mesh on a team? So please do not, you know, please stop with all this Jared, This Uncle Jared, just m- mean talk about Uncle Jared. For, that's my guy. Love him. It's fun to see a guy who's slightly pear-shaped and balding do, do well and excel in the NBA. He's not a star player, but his teammates love him and he's a really smart guy and there's a reason why he stuck around for a long time. Now, this isn't the first time people have been bashing Jared Dudley. Just last year in the playoffs, he was talking a lot of smack back and forth and Ben Simmons was basically saying some stuff to disrespect him. I don't even care about him. He sucks. I don't know why he's here. First of all, Nobody in the NBA sucks, and that Jared was doing his part. Why was he talking smack, getting ejected, fighting with Ben Simmons? Well, because he knew the best players on his team at the time, Brooklyn, like D'Angelo Russell, he didn't want them to talk smack and get kicked out of the game because he knew they were so important to his team. He knew in his head, if anybody's getting kicked out of this game, if anybody's getting a technical foul, it's going to be me. Because that's a positive contribution I can make to my team as a role player. That's why Jared keeps getting jobs in the NBA. And that's why people all love him as a teammate. Because he knows his role. He's willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good of the team. So we don't need to pit Jared against Carmelo. I'm sure they get along. They're both nice guys. And I'm sure they get along. And it's not Jared's fault that Melo doesn't have a job. But Melo being blackballed. I mean, what's the why? Would why would he be blackballed? What would be the cause? He hasn't done anything bad. He hasn't, you know, had any like crimes that have come out in the public or any real terrible things he said or done. I mean, Mello seems like a good guy. It seems like people get along with him. I just don't understand why he would be blackballed. Doesn't make sense. I think it's each team operating on an individual level. So it's like when you think about it on the grand scheme, is Mello good enough just in a vacuum to be an NBA player? Of course he is. But when you go to each team, do the Orlando Magic want them? Oh, no, thanks. We want to give a chance to our young guys to play. Do the Atlanta Hawks want them? Oh, no, we're going to give a chance to our young guys to play. Do the Boston Celtics want them? No, we kind of want to make sure our team chemistry works with the guys that we have. Do the Brooklyn Nets want them? No, we kind of want to focus on the guys that we have and build up their team chemistry. Every team in an individual one-on-one choice has made the exact same choice, that their team might be better off without Melo. And that does not mean Mello sucks. Honestly, I do feel bad for Mello. But I don't think there's some sort of a grand conspiracy around the whole thing. I think each team has looked at the situation and realized there's going to be a lot of attention on Mello. No matter which team, if he ends up on a team, there will be a lot of attention on Mello and that team. Now, how does it help your team chemistry if you've got ESPN and TMZ and Fox Sports and all these other guys... Following you're a guy who's coming off the bench and asking, how come he's not getting more minutes? Hey, Mello, are you upset you're not getting more minutes? Hey Melo, do you think you're the best player on the team? Hey, Melo, do you think this is finally your chance to win a championship? It causes a sort of attention on the team that what what's the benefit, right? What's the cost-benefit analysis? The cost for almost all these teams is greater than the benefit. Melo at this point in his career isn't such an awesome player that he's gonna overcome the fact that he's not. That helpful to your team. So, I mean, I'm glad Royce White is standing up for Melo. He knows, if anyone, how hard it feels to be on the outside of the NBA because he went through his whole issues, you know, emotionally, uh, psychologically, and then, you know, with his flight issues that he, that he's had about flying on planes. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to make fun of that. Everybody has their own phobias and everybody has their own things they're uncomfortable with. So I know deep down, Royce, it probably hits a, Hits a soft spot for him, and he feels like he hasn't been accepted by the NBA and hasn't been embraced by the NBA. And so he's wondering if the same thing is happening to Carmelo Anthony. But at the end of the day, this man is not being blackballed. He's There's not some grand conspiracy to keep Melo out of the NBA. Why would any of these teams want to do that? He hasn't done anything wrong. He's just on an individual business level from team to team. They've just realized... He's not going to be the guy that puts their team over the top. And they'd rather invest in somebody else as a part of their team. That's all. And it's about knowing your role. Knowing your role. Not everyone can be a superstar. And the people who end up winning championships in life and in work are those people who become superstars in their role. They realize what the team needs from them. A lot of people say, I'll do whatever it takes for the team. I'll sacrifice whatever I need to do for the team, whatever it takes to win. A lot of people say that, but not very many people actually mean it. Not many people are actually willing to do something that they believe is below their pay grade or below their level of talent or below their capability because that's what the team needs. Not many people are willing to just go do the dirty work, do the grunt work, that's not fun do some bullshit that is really maybe annoying, that really frustrates them, that they might feel like is not the best use of their time, but for the team, helps the team advance. Not a lot of people are actually willing to do that. And a lot of the people that do, those are the people that end up winning championships in life, at, in work, in friendships. And those are the people that end up succeeding and having people want to be around them. And that doesn't mean just because we're a role player on one team, you can't be a superstar on another team or in another facet of your life. And a lot of these guys are, right? Sometimes you have a chance to be a superstar. Sometimes you have a chance to be a role player. And it's about adjusting to the needs of your situation, the needs of the team that you're with at the time. And Melo, this is a guy who a couple years ago, he was joining the Oklahoma City Thunder. And a lot of people hoped that he, along with Paul George and Russell Westbrook could finally be on the team that would allow Melo to finally reach the championship with some really talented players. Now, what do these three gentlemen have in common today? Well, none of them play in Oklahoma City anymore. Russell has left to join his buddy, James Harden, in Houston. Kawhi Leonard has lured and seduced Paul George to come join him in Los Angeles with the Clippers, and Carmelo, as I mentioned, is not on any team. Now, if you look back to the very first introductory press conference, when Carmelo was being introduced as a new member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, one of the reporters in the room asked him, Carmelo, would you be interested or would you be willing to hypothetically coming off the bench for this team? Now, I don't know the exact words of the question, but that was basically the point. That was the message he was trying to get across. Now, Melo, he didn't even really address the question, and he really just tried to basically punk the reporter. He was just like, (laughs) yeah, hey, Paul, hey, Paul, guess what? This this jackass is asking if I'm going to come off the bench. Could you get a load of that? (laughs) Oh, boy. So he was just laughing at him, basically wouldn't even dignify with a response, was joking about how can you believe this asshole wants to come off the bench. Well, you can laugh all the way home, Melo, but at this point, the joke is on you. And he tried to not even dignify that guy's question with a response, but that honestly showed a lack of maturity from Carmelo. Yeah. We know you're used to being a superstar, but when you're not going to be open, stay open. As we always say, stay open to the possibility. Stay open to what might make you better, might make your team better. So that one moment basically sealed his fate. When he, he laughed and said, why would I come off the bench? You hear this guy? What the hell is he talking about? Well, this is what he's talking about, Melo. This is what he's talking about. And now it's almost two years la- later. Now Melo's trying to say, I've changed. I've changed. I'm not the same guy, but it's, it's hard. Why, why should we believe you now? Why should we believe you now? So hopefully Melo can go meditate, maybe go hike up in the mountains, maybe do some sort of a silent retreat or, or start doing some yoga, become vegan or something to kind of just re, reinvent himself and learn how to be more selfless and learn how to really give in and let his ego step aside so he can do whatever's best to help a team, hoping that a team is willing to give him one more chance. But no, there is not some sort of a grand conspiracy against Mello. And please, everyone, please stop trashing Jared Dudley just because this one man has a job. Please stop using this man as an example just because he's balding and a little bit pear-shaped, okay? Because he has so many contributions that he gives to the team. And there's so many reasons that he is on the team beyond just pure talent. Obviously, that's not the only thing that people are judging. So please stop going after my man, Uncle Jared. Please, for the last time, give my man a break. May have taken it a little too far in saying that Melo had then blackballed. Yes, it is frustrating that is not in the NBA, but is there really a grand conspiracy around the whole situation? I don't I don't think it goes that deep. So somebody else who just took it a little too far this week is a fellow by the name of Billy Napier. Now Billy is the coach of the University of Louisiana Lafayette Ragin' Cajuns. Great nickname. Not a lot of schools have a nickname, an abbreviated sort of slang nickname. Ragin'. It's not Raging, it's the Raging Cajun, so it rhymes with Cajuns. And I do have to give them a special shout out. Really cool nickname. Love a rhyming nickname. Love that the name of the school is basically a tongue twister in itself. University of Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. Try to say that to yourself nine times fast and not have people around you think you're, um, crazy. Um, and also, it's cool that they're, they're embracing the slang in their name, Ragin' Cajuns, not the Raging I guess that wouldn't rhyme, but love it. Shout out to the school. They're they're really progressive, obviously, in their naming, but in other ways, not so progressive. Now, these guys are not a super powerhouse football program. We won't be expecting to see them in the playoff this year anytime soon, but they have made news lately because Coach Napier has said that he is going to have all of the players make a $50 donation to the school's athletic foundation. Now, this is a little bit odd. If you were one of the players, you would probably think, well, yeah, my donation to the Athletic Foundation is the fact that I play football for the school for free every week. And yeah, okay, it's not totally for free. They do. They, they're they on scholarship, so they do get an education paid for, but some people who know a lot more about math than I do have actually done economic studies to look at the value of a scholarship versus the actual financial value that football players bring to their schools, even smaller schools like University of Louisiana Lafayette. The amount of jerseys people buy, ticket sales, concessions, popcorn, beer, cotton candy at the games, people watching on TV, their TV deals with different local networks to be able to put the games on TV. The total amount gained from almost every football program is definitely way more than the average amount that each player receives in terms of their scholarship. So Coach Napier, he wants these guys to remember They're not just athletes, they're student-athletes, and the student comes first. So, at least $50 must be donated from each scholarship player to the Ragin' Cajuns Athletic Foundation. And this is what he said about it. He said, we want our players to be educated and understand the benefits of being a student-athlete, and that it's not something that should be taken lightly. We're trying to create a scenario where five to 10 years from now, these are guys that will give back and continue to be a part of a program and realize what this place did for them. I think we got the message across this morning and it was a good thing. And again, I'm putting myself in other people's shoes. I don't know how these young men feel who are actually the Raysian Cajuns themselves and have to suit up in uniform every week. But I would not be like, wow, that's so nice. They made me donate. I'm thinking fondly on those times. I would be like, yo, fuck these guys. I'm moving out and moving on, okay? Because if you look back on your college experience and are like, oh, yeah, hey, remember coach who made us give $50? First, I mean, a lot of these guys, don't you think... You're probably trying to save your own $50 to, to go out, maybe have a good time, maybe get yourself a new pair of shoes, maybe go get a pizza or something like that. You're in college. But a lot of people that age, money's not just flowing like that, okay? It's not just easy to throw away $50, even though to some of our I'm open family out there, it might not see seem like that much money. It's not just easy to just throw away $50 like that. And when he says, I think they're going to look back fondly and remember what the school gave them. No, how about remember what you gave the school? That's what they're going to look back fondly on. Man, wasn't that weird? We were part of the football team and the coach made us a donate, never going back there again. They're not going to be like, well, those were the best days of my life. It taught me about, you know, it taught me about really being loyal to your school. And it taught me really some good values about giving back. I mean, yes, yes. Scholarship players, scholarship athletes, Do receive their education for free. They do have some uh, small allowances for food and for traveling with the team. It's not like they have allowances for like traveling to the beach by themselves. Even that budget is pretty limited. So when you consider those aren't the only things going on in life. It's not just going to class and going to the cafeteria and that's all. That's all. What if a movie comes out? What if the new Avengers comes out and these guys want to see it? Or the new Star Wars? Or what if their mom's birthday is coming up and they want to get her something special? Should they say, oh, no, I actually have to save my money to donate to my university rather than doing something that might enhance their life and might, you know, celebrate their relationship with maybe somebody who's important to them in their life? Like, yeah, let's not let's not take it too far and be like, well, you got your school, you got your food. What else do you need? I'm sure for all of the folks out there in the I'm Open family, and even folks who haven't yet joined the I'm Open family, but are, you know, are hopefully will one day soon. That's not really like that extravagant just to have food and, and school. Those are sort of like basic rights of our country. So it's not too like, wow, these guys are so spoiled. Wow. You are so freaking spoiled. You want to buy, you want to have money to buy your mom a birthday present? Well, why don't you just go and crust it with diamonds, you jerk? I mean, the way we treat these guys, just because they're on scholarship, that doesn't actually cover the rest of your life. And when you consider, yeah, they're student athletes, so they're going to class, they're studying, they're working on papers, and they're also basically working out as a full-time job, practicing with the team, traveling to other states. You know, taking buses when maybe you have a paper due, but you're recovering from a torn rotator cuff and you're riding a bus back from Florida to Louisiana. And then these guys are still expected to be, you know, students and athletes. So let's slow down with the whole these guys are to get enough. They're so spoiled. How much more do they need? How entitled are they? Because I think they're just entitled to, you know, as our... <laughs> As our country states, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's the third one, pursuit of happiness. It's not just like, well, you got food. What the hell else do you want? People are allowed to pursue hobbies. People are allowed to, you know, buy themselves a new skateboard or a pet dog if they want. Those are that's part of the rights of growing up and living in this country. So it's just absolutely ridiculous to force these guys to donate to their school when they're already donating their time, their energy, and their health to the school in terms of the potential injuries that they might face going out on the field every week where if you play for University of Lafayette Raging Cajuns, you are probably not going to the NFL. So maybe a couple guys are, but you're not in the back of your head saying, well, it's all worth it. I'm going through a couple of bumps and bruises, but eventually one day I'll be a pro player. No, a lot of these guys are, are gonna have knee problems, you know, pr- shoulder problems, concussion issues, and they'll just go back to, to working and living normal jobs. Now, of course, I wasn't the only one who took a side eye and was kind of wondering about what the hell Coach Billy Napier was actually thinking with this new rule. So he had to actually follow up and speak on it. And this was what he said in response to some reporters' questions. We started a new initiative for our players. It was really all about gratitude. All players, scholarship members in particular, were, and we're going to ask the walk-ons, it's optional for them. It will be mandatory from here on out for our scholarship players to become a $50 level member of our CAF, Ragin' Cajuns Athletic Foundation. And that's probably a little bit unheard of and a little bit unique, but I think it's, um, this is a place where I think that would be appreciated. And I think it's part of the type of program we want to have. So he did backpedal a little bit and say that he would be willing to pay for walk-ons Walk-on basically means you're a college athlete who does not have any sort of scholarship to play for your sport. So he did say that he would be willing to pay for walk-ons if they can't afford it. But still, I just think it sends the wrong message when he's saying about the kind of program we want to create. This is the kind of program that keeps asking for more and more and more from your players. Sometimes when you don't ask, guys are actually more willing to give. Not guys, just people in general right? Sometimes if you're asking, begging with a handout, asking for help, saying you have to help, people are less willing to help than actually if you just give them a great experience, leave them with a warm feeling in their heart and a sweet taste in their mouth. Then people are actually a little bit more willing to go back and help you because they're like, man, I love Coach Napier. He didn't ask us for anything. He just wanted the best for us, and he just helped us grow up as men and do everything we could to succeed on the field. But no, that's not how they're going to think back on this program. You're establishing a program where you're you're not only asking these players to give it all on the field. You're asking for players to give you their money off the field. So they're not going to – You're obviously you're misguided, and I'm sure by the time a lot of these guys graduate, this guy won't even be the coach anymore he's making decisions like this so no sir they're not going to look back on this fondly they're going to look back on this and say well that was weird that was really weird that coach made us do that and actually no i'm not going to donate anymore because i already donated plenty I'm Open Family, you know I love sports. And if you don't love sports, that's totally okay. That's the point of I'm Open Podcast. That is all right with me. I am open to you guys not liking sports. And that's why this is the fucking I'm Open Podcast. Because we're open to everyone. But some people really, really like sports almost as much as me. And a lot of the most intense sports fans in the world are soccer fans or football fans. As they prefer to be called Or football fans, as some other ones prefer to be called. Now, today we're talking about football fans from Liverpool. And I'm sorry to everyone for my terrible accent. From Liverpool. So, Liverpool, they had an awesome season last year. And they capped it off by winning the UEFA Super Cup over Chelsea to kick off this season. That was super exciting. They've got a really passionate group of fans that has been following this group for a long time, really fervently supporting them. They've got some great fans. Now, they were so excited that they defeated Chelsea in the UEFA Super Cup that these fans started storming the field. Now, I don't blame them. It was a super high-intensity match. The game ended in penalties, and... Liverpool goalie Adrian blocked the final penalty by Chelsea to give them the cup. So it was an extremely dramatic finish and a thrilling moment for Liverpool that of course they're going to be excited. Of course they are. So Liverpool fans start storming the field and what happens... Adrian, the exact guy who actually won the cup by blocking the final penalty shot, was injured by one of his own supporters, by one of his own fans. Now, here's what Jurgen Klopp, the actual coach or manager, as they call it, of Liverpool, said about the situation. When we were all together, a supporter jumped over, was chased by some security guys, slipped, and kicked Adrian's ankle. Crazy. Yesterday, It was swollen, and today I spoke to him, and he said it's better, but we'll have to see. So basically, in celebration of their cup victory, one of the Liverpool fans slid into and injured the ankle of the goalkeeper, Adrian. Now, this is not okay, because Alisson, the starting goalkeeper, was already sitting out. So now they were already to the backup goalkeeper, who stepped up and had an awesome performance to win the cup. And now he's injured as well. So, we've talked about this time and time again, but the the I'm open family, a lot of people are not listening to us. Okay? Cuz I'm trying to what I've tried to say time and time again is the fans have to realize it's not about them. It's not about you. I'm a huge sports fan, as you guys know by now, but it's not about me, okay? It's not about me. If my team wins, if the Giants win, which rarely happens, or the Wizards lose, which has been happening a lot lately, it's not because I was cheering a lot or wasn't cheering loud enough or because I used the right profanities or the wrong uh shouts or cheers or songs to support my team. That's not, it's not really about me. It's not really because of me. Of course, teams appreciate having the support of their fans. But no individual single fan can really take that much personal ownership over the team and really say, it's about me. And this fan obviously thought it was about him in that moment. I understand you want to celebrate your team and get lit and turn up for Liverpool because you defeated Chelsea. You had an awesome historic season for Liverpool. This team is going to be legendary and live in history for Liverpool. I understand that you feel like you're just busting out of your freaking shorts ready to party for your team. But, that's why you remember, it's not about you. It's about the team. Because this guy put his own fun, put his own enjoyment, put his own celebration above the actual team that he was celebrating. And now he's injured one of their key players. And you're supposed to be celebrating the team. You're supposed to be supporting the team. And you are literally the reason now that the goalie has an ankle injury. So, I'm all for storming the field, I'm all for, you know, whatever, turning up, celebrating your team, crowd surfing, painting your chest, whatever you need to do to celebrate your team, it's visceral, it's a moment of collaboration, of community with all the other fans, and there's sometimes, I understand... There's these powerful moments that just overcome you where you feel like it's something bigger than yourself. This energy that's just pushing you to go crazy to support your team and maybe do things that you wouldn't normally do. That's okay. I understand that being a sports fan derives from the word fanatic, which is basically means that you can be irrational sometimes. You can be a little off the chain sometimes because you're fanatic about your team. But don't Get to the point, don't cross the line where you actually think it's about you more than it's about your team. Because it's not really about you. It's not about you. And this fan obviously thought it was about him. He has now caused the injury, personally, of one of the players he was rooting for. It's like the sweetest and saddest irony all at once. You're celebrating this championship and then you immediately injure the goalie who just won the championship in the celebration. So please, to all my sports fans out there, next time you're at a game, next time you're cheering for a game, just remember, it's not about you. If they win, if they lose, it's not a personal reflection on you as a as an individual. It doesn't mean you're a good person. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Just because if your team is better than somebody else, it doesn't make you better than somebody else, <coughs> Boston fans. And, you know, it's not about you. Go have fun. Go root for your team. But it's not about you. It's about the team. And have fun. That's okay. That means the pressure's off. You know, if the team loses, you don't have to go back and cry all night. Like, yeah, you can be sad, but you are not the reason the team lost. It's out of your hands. I understand it hurts when your team loses, but it's not about you. And this is you. This is an example when keeping it real goes wrong in a sense, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, this is an example. <laughs> My man kept it a little too real. He was like, Liverpool till I die! And it was like, bro, before you die, you're about to make the freaking goalie die of your team. So you better turn it down a couple notches and just wave your little soccer scarf around like y'all do. It is funny, and I, we are going to move on, but it is funny how soccer teams all have scarves. Like, imagine a team, if we just don't, um, we, we aren't like big scarf folks here in the U.S. I mean, not that we're like against scarves, there definitely, there are a lot of them out there, but just, I couldn't really imagine like a bunch of like Detroit Lions fans like rolling up all with like matching scarves and waving them around, but hey, there's a lot of ways that different fan fans and fan bases are different, and it's not about you, and there's some comfort in that too, but just realize it's not about you, just enjoy the game, it's fun, it's entertainment. I'm open family we are blessed to have on the line today a great friend of mine the only man I trust to give me advice about my houseplants he's inventing new haircuts all the time and he is calling in amidst his busy schedule all the way from the great state of New Mexico Elijah how are you doing today
1: I'm doing very well,
0: David. Thank you for having me here today. Oh, it is our pleasure. It's great to have you back. Uh, Great to have you back on the show after a hiatus. And I just want everybody to know Elijah has been one of the longest uh, and most tenured supporters and members of the I'm Open family. So we're uh, we're always blessed to have him on the show. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, this topic might be offensive to some people. But I thought you would be a perfect uh, person to come in and, and, and talk about this. We are going to be talking today about gas station Viagra. Um, okay. I guess it's not called you're, it's not called Viagra if you buy it from a gas station, right? So it's called um, just enhancers? Just male enhancers. Male enhancers. So we've had a crazy situation with uh, this baseball season. And I've never heard this story happen before where, yeah, we've heard about performance enhancers. But okay. now we these are a different type of performance enhancers, not for your muscles, but um, just for your, your penis muscles only, not for the rest of your muscles. And we've had several professional baseball players get suspended for failing drug tests, basically, because they've been taking these male enhancers that okay. you buy at gas stations over the counter. And then their urine was tested. They found a banned substance and they have been banned or suspended. And this has actually caused Major League Baseball to issue a memo warning their players about the very real risk, quote-unquote, of over-the-counter sexual enhancement pills. And um, they outlined that these products are often contaminated with prohibited and unsafe ingredients and are a very real risk for drug-tested players. And the high likelihood for contamination or unidentified ingredients in these products underscores the importance of consuming only those products that are certified. Wow. So, I mean, what do you want to go into first?
1: I'm curious. Is this a is this a trend across the sport? Is it confined to a couple of teams? Oh yeah. One guy brought some into the locker room one day and was like, "Yo, guys, this shit." works like no other and you know the whole all whole A's pitching staff did it or like how many people are we talking
0: here that is a great question Elijah um it's actually been more than one player who's who's already been suspended now my like like you said is it, is it just a trend that started with one team how did it pass to the whole league another thing is like I you know I don't know it's actually what, what the pricing breakdown is between like some of these over-the-counter pills or like a Viagra type thing but you would think for a professional baseball player like why don't you go yeah. get the good stuff
1: although good stuff you never know I mean because they might be you know Viagra might be licensed and legal because owning those, you know contaminated substances which uh, you know Maybe not great for baseball, but give you a boost in the bedroom, you know? That's
0: a great point. That's a great point. And so, like, Viagra, they say, like, if you have an erection for more than six hours, um, call us or something, right?
1: Where's the rhino pill. You, right. know, go to sleep. you can't sleep on your stomach with the rhino <laughs> exactly some of these people
0: probably advertise that with rhino yeah. booze some of these are crazy Yeah. jungle I mean, power taste of a lion penis yeah. power you know some of these it's like probably like if you have an erection for less than 12 hours your money back
1: guaranteed type situation yeah. it's also interesting just how things like viagra the like they do a very good job of obscuring exactly what their product is for now what is the other one i've seen ads for roman for uh-huh. it's just like, men being happy and like dancing in the subway and they don't want to explicitly say what their product is for whereas you know the other pills it, it wants to make very clear what's going what's going on and if you're taking it you want everyone to know what you're doing you know uh,
0: oh yeah i just feel like it's so funny too like why do they always sell them at gas stations You can go get your Skittles, get your pack of Marlboro Reds, and uh, fill up a tank, and then get your whatever, Lust of the Lion, or whatever, (laughs) you know? It's just like, why does it have to be? I guess baseball players are on the
1: road a lot, too, though, so that kind of makes sense. It could be a holdover. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Baseball players are paid more than most other professional sports uh, without nearly as much risk as, say, a football player and with guaranteed contracts. But the minor league life is very unglamour and so it could just be a, like a habit from the days of living on the road, you know, scrounging together, whatever you could. Um, and you know, old habits die hard. Well, I think, I still think what I said earlier about like, maybe yeah. it has good stuff in there. It's just illegal. That's like the four loco of male enhancement, you know, where, uh, like, yeah. you know, because for loco. No one was saying, well, a lot of people were saying this shit is terrible, but a lot of people, you know, took colleges by storm. Yeah, you're right.
0: And in a way, um, you know, it kind of makes sense with baseball players like pushing the boundaries and maybe maybe, you know, Viagra or Cialis wasn't as strong as what they they wanted. Yeah. Maybe it yeah. didn't. Now, Elijah, I'm gonna read you some um some names of of just some different pills here, some different medications. And all I just want you to just tell me it's true or Or false? Is this a real one or is this a fake name? Okay, Okay. it's pretty easy.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: Okay, Um, let's just start pretty simple ecstasy. But it's spelled E-X-T-A-C-Y, spelled incorrectly.
1: Okay. It seems a little too on the nose. Um, I feel like they would want to be a little bit showier. Um, I'm going to say that's false.
0: That one's actually true. And we talked before about how some places have the six-hour rule, the eight-hour rule, call 911. These people say seven (laughs) days. (laughs) Seven days.
1: (laughs) What? understand exactly what the product does <laughs> like if like, you have a boner for seven days in a row that is so
0: it's like,
1: it's less of like a explicit like <laughs> for ED, and more just a. Uh, uh, maybe uh, just like, like overall general. you will
0: have more stamina or whatever for seven yeah. days like, remember
1: mean? How the NFL players are really into that like elkhorn dust or whatever oh, Yeah, yeah yeah it might just be a gimmick like that 'Cause seven days when I saw that yeah. I was like, Good yeah. grief. I mean, what do you do? What do you yeah, do? You just lie really in bed cool. on your back. Yeah, you know, I got I wish I was more well versed in these. Maybe I don't wish that. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, you don't. But uh yeah, it's always
0: there for you if you want. If you yeah. so what about this? Swag, but it actually uh stands for swag, sex with a grudge. Swag. Is that real or not? Um, I hope so. I, yeah, know, that was absolutely real. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> With a grudge?
1: Yes, and their tagline
0: I, is take that? your sexual performance to the next level.
1: By having a holding a grudge. Okay. That's so
0: kind of that's a kind yeah, of that's, a little bit, that's not I, the I, mindset well, you want to have going into a romantic, you know, love-making relationship.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I well. Mean, yeah. no. <laughs> that makes me feel a little uncomfortable oh um, <laughs> yeah that one's that one's kind of bad let's move on yeah. here before we well, definitely wanted swag to be the name and then they just couldn't <laughs> sex with a giraffe no <laughs> well, they were uh, yeah, gonna know. think of anything that could they could, could it, like it could have done something better they must have
0: i don't know what about this one elijah rhino 69
1: i'm gonna say that's that's false no that is true rhino 69 well, <laughs> they're no fault, right? I mean, again, that one's just on the nose, like very much on the nose. Yeah, it's but, like you almost couldn't make that up. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Rhino sixty nine, they promise four qualities: time, size, stamina, and no headaches.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> to me, it's like, what? What more do you want? What more do you really want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about this one? This is a good one. Black Mamba two. <laughs>
1: Is it the number two or
0: is it Ah, uh, It's the number two. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, that one is real. Shout out to Kofi, Black, <laughs> Black Mamba 2. They knew Black they couldn't Mamba. call it Black Mamba 1.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was, it, was, it was trademarked for like Black Mamba 2. I wish they would call it Black Mamba 1, even though there was some,
0: yeah. Even though there isn't a 1. Mm. Now, what about this one? Rising Phoenix 5K.
1: I'm going to say yes.
0: Yeah, that's a true one as well. And that one I like because um, it's kind of, that one's kind of like a double entendre. Rising mm-hmm. Phoenix, you know, kind of, I guess, like your erection is rising from the dead or something. I kind of yeah. like that Was creative.
1: Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, you can go on like just rising once more from the ashes. So. Um, And let's do What's the 5K, though.
0: The 5K, I hope much. it doesn't mean 5,000 years. <laughs> days <laughs> <taste> of erection. <laughs> oh my god! I'm trying to see some other good ones here. Basically, all of those have been real. Yeah,
1: definitely. all of
0: those have been real. As you're getting. Wow. So that's kind of the point. We. We, we, there's so many, I couldn't even get to all these. There are so many. So maybe with these guys, it's just easier. I understand like when you're traveling on the road, you don't necessarily know like what doctor to go to maybe. If you live in Detroit, you're in
1: Kansas City or you're in Seattle. So the gas station is, is the way to go. And you yeah, the find- gas
0: station is yeah. the way to go.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like in the, in the olden days, the barber was also the dentist and the surgeon and the doctor where it's like, oh, the gas station, the corner for the guy, do whatever
0: you need. Yeah. So, I mean, so what's the answer here? Like, what's the solution? Well, should I'm baseball gonna... change their their rules to allow f- guys to take whatever penis pills they want? Or should guys just take more, you know, be more cautious about which pills they're taking? What do you think?
1: I, I, think, I think it's hard for baseball to make a change because I'm sure a lot of these substances are also present in, you know, more legitimate PEDs. Well, baseball PEDs as opposed to bedroom PEDs. But I do want to just point out, it's interesting this is only happening in baseball, Mm -hmm. and I think there's definitely some compensation going on, you know? I think, uh, like, baseball has really taken a hit in popularity, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like it's the butt of a lot of jokes, uh, whereas a a football player doesn't need (laughs) a boot to make themselves feel more masculine, unless you're a punter, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe Chris Bowie is taking these. Whereas a baseball player, I feel like in recent years, they've really been emasculated, you know, and mocked by society at large. Yeah, maybe there's just a, a need to like feel more, you know, virile and masculine.
0: -hmm. And that's a great question. I was, you know, that I was wanted to get onto as well. It's like, what is it about baseball players that makes it that all these guys need, you know, the rhino's horn, you know, seven day strength or whatever? Whereas we don't hear about this with the other guys. I mean, we know they they check for PEDs and, you know, steroids and stuff for every sport, right? So why is it just these baseball guys who keep getting caught?
1: Yeah, I don't know. But then there's also the argument you could make, which is that. You know, perhaps other sports don't have as rigorous drug testing, which is probably true. After baseball, you're kind of burned in that whole, you know, juicing era. I feel like they've mm-hmm. tightened up in ways that the NBA or the NFL, they don't have as strict drug policies.
0: Yeah. And maybe in a way, like, maybe it does enhance your performance in and out. Like some of these, they said yeah. seven days of power and strength, you know, and stamina. Yeah. Maybe it gets your blood pumping like the whole week long and maybe it really does help in or outside of the bedroom.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was um, like,
0: have you ever heard about how like some boxers, like I think Floyd Mayweather does this. I'm not totally sh- don't Don't quote me on that. But some boxers like don't have sex for like months before they fight. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: You've yeah. heard about that? We have definitely heard that. And Cam Newton, I think, was also going to be celibate during the off season. That was his big announcement. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, So, like, some guys, like, almost like to, like, build up, like, a storage of their, like, testosterone to just, like, go and just, like, explode when they, like, play or fight or whatever. Baseball doesn't really have that. I guess baseball doesn't have that aggressive nature anyway. You don't really need to explode in that many moments.
1: And maybe you just, you know, get kind of complacent from just standing in a field, you know, for a couple hours every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about baseball is, like, half the game, you just get to hang out and, like, drink beer in the clubhouse. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Elijah, before we move on to the next topic,
0: I did want to ask you because this is, you know, the one thing about these uh, bootleg Viagras that we've been talking about that I really love about them is the creativity that these guys display on the marketing end, on the promotional end. Like, these are some of the best names I've ever heard. We were just talking about some different names they had. Now, if you ever decided to start your own Line of penis pills. Do you have any idea, of maybe what you might want to call it, or maybe a spirit animal that you might want to name it after, or something that means a lot to you?
1: Yeah, like what? What do I strive for sexually? Mm. Um, yeah,
0: I don't know if I strive for this sexually or it's my spirit animal, but I do love yeah. turtles.
1: I would do that. Yeah.
0: So maybe I do something with turtles, like tough testicle turtle or something yeah 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 (laughs) now I guess I don't know if people really want tough testicles I don't know if that really goes directly to this I don't know if turtles turn people on
1: be like a desirable characteristic in a testicle that's true
0: (laughs) so I don't know I just like the alliteration but I guess people don't really want to think of themselves as turtles in bed do they
1: hard shell tore testicle
0: oh hard shell turtle that would be good your shell will be hard all week long yeah. Okay, well, something to think on, and you can let us yeah. know next time you yeah. come back on the pod if yeah. you'd mm-hmm. like to name your own pill. So next, Elijah, we are going to be talking about mob threat tactics or alleged mob threat tactics okay okay and usually i like to mix it up and not talk about the same exact athlete or or team every single week but sometimes when somebody is just hot they're hot they're on a roll you know it's like when you're in vegas and your friends keep telling you it's time to go back to the room but your hand is just hot you have to go back out just for one more roll or one more hand
1: yeah of course
0: and right now, that guy who's hot on the tables is Antonio Brown. Wow! <laughs> Thank you so much, Antonio Brown, for creating so much yeah. for us to talk about this offseason. It's truly been a blessing. First, we talked about this last week. He got, um, he went to crypto therapy. He got well. First, he forced a trade away from Pittsburgh to Oakland. Then, in the offseason, he went to crypto therapy. Froze his feet because he was wearing the wrong shoes. Like
1: the blonde mustache. I mean, that's a
0: yeah. Oh yeah, he dyed his mustache blonde. I almost forgot that. <laughs> he he was also at one point seen working out in alligator skin dress shoes. Uh, then he. I don't know if that was related because he wore the wrong shoes to crypto therapy. His feet got frostbite. Now he hasn't been able to practice. His feet have been super crusty. Then he had a situation where he didn't like the helmet, which is now illegal because they're trying to protect these guys' brains uh, from concussions and stuff. Uh, But he still wanted his old helmet. So there was a whole standoff. He didn't want to play without his old helmet. And now this one tops them all because this is a story that's actually just coming out from last year's Pro Bowl, but all the dirty secrets are coming out now, and that is because um, a celebrity chef, and he actually calls himself the sports chef, quote-unquote, his name is Stefano Tedeschi, and a- Antonio hired uh, Chef Tedeschi to come to a mansion in South Florida, where the Pro Bowl was last year, and basically cook a huge feast for Antonio, some of his friends, colleagues, family members, etc., Mm. at his house so he's one of these fancy celebrity chefs who you like hire to come to your house and then you just basically ball out and you have like a really fancy restaurant quality meal at your house it's for rich people something you know a little out of our pay grade so the problem now this is going into the this is going out of the kitchen and into the courtroom unfortunately with this situation because Antonio kicked Chef Tadeshi out of his house in the middle of the service He wouldn't let him collect any of their tools, any of their food, equipment, anything. He just kicked him out and he told them, do not make eye contact with me. Don't have any of your people make eye contact with me as you leave the house. Don't you dare look me in the eye. (laughs) And now they are in court because Antonio refused to pay the chef um, for the entire meal. And he was also refusing to pay pay him for, I guess, the loss of, you know, his cooking equipment, etc., that he wasn't able to recover. And he left in the mansion, which is near Miami. Now, you are not going to believe yes, the I'm reason this whole beef started. Excited. So, Chef Tadeshi bought a giant salmon to, like, fresh, fresh-caught salmon. But the biggest salmon he could find. And he wanted to cut it up and serve it to A.B. and all of his friends. But... So he started cutting it up, filleting the salmon by hand. He cut off the head of the salmon and he didn't want it to rot, so he left it in the freezer. Oh boy. Later that day, Antonio opens his freezer, sees the salmon head, and he interpreted it as a threat, mob style, like when you leave a horse head under some. Is it horse head under somebody's pillow or how does that work? Uh, I think it was horse head. In the pillow.
1: Under the covers. Under, Under the covers. covers. All all uh, blood in the sheets, and it's like right next to him in bed, as though it was a sleeping partner.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's that. I think he was interpreting that it was that kind of a deal. Yeah. Like a threat. <laughs> Do you think AB crossed the line in thinking this was a threat? Do you think it could have been a threat? Have you ever heard of people threatening each other
1: with fish parts? You know, uh I can't say I have, but I'm sure Antonio is, you know, such a reasoned and thoughtful person. I'm sure he must have had a, you know, a, a very logical reason to believe that he would be threatened by this chef. Yeah, but even if I, yeah, this is mind boggling.
0: And it does seem a little, I don't want to say, I don't want to like point fingers here. It does seem a little profiling. Stefano Tedeschi to yeah, me yeah. sounds like
1: Antonio so he would know you know he's also
0: well he's not Italian <laughs> but he should having an Italian name like Antonio he should kind of relate to a gentleman like Stefano Tedeschi yeah. to be like to know where he's coming from but it seemed like he just like assumed the guy was like a mobster
1: yeah wow
0: so do you think though all right and like you were saying though Antonio's a really smart guy He's probably seen Godfather. He's probably seen Sopranos, Goodfellas, all those. Like, there's mm-hmm. no fish heads in those. There's only horse heads, like you said.
1: Yeah, but he lives in Florida. I mean, the Florida mob game might be different.
0: That's true. Mm-hmm. I guess it would make make sense for the Florida mob to be throwing fish heads just based on yeah, you know, the, like the, the locale.
1: Yeah, and we also don't know what if Antonio Brown, because I believe in the movie, the horse head is this man's prized horse. Oh. So, for Antonio has a large, you know, aquarium. He has the money. Maybe he just saw a fish head, assumed it was his favorite, you know, mm-hmm. large. Yeah, aquarium. maybe
0: he has a lot of fish as pets. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, you never know. I mean, that I, seems right up his alley.
0: Yeah, I never considered that that could be the case. And like you mentioned as well, Elijah, we're used to, you know, we're used to horse heads but in this traditional sense. Yeah, we <laughs> that's what we normally do, that's what but. I do. Yeah. Maybe these, maybe now the South Florida mobsters are very farm to table these days. Yeah, exactly. Well, and they're like, let's use locally sourced ingredients, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Threaten them with some nice local salmon from the from from Biscayne so, you
1: know, Bay, from Everglades. Yeah, and then Burmese python. Yeah, you know. So these might I mean, be some of the
0: wokest mobsters out, or he just, here's the other thing. Do you think he just maybe didn't want to pay him and then it just saying that he thought the fish head was a threat?
1: That's my, that's my other uh, suspicion is maybe he's thinking about going to the restaurant business and thought, wow, I can get top of the line tools and half of a nice meal out of it if I can, you know, because I'm sure Stefano, you know, has only the best, you know, set of knives and i'm sure he had some specialized equipment i mean it's i'm sure it's half of a you know restaurant inventory he brought in and i mean what better way yeah there's no way what well also i'm wondering if now i'm hearing it's a threat if the don't look me in the eye was more out of fear than out of like he just oh, he does, was scared, he's of scared. That. Just go just go
0: Huh. No, that could be it too. And so I think it could be a couple of explanations. I could, I think it could be, yeah. A, he could just legit think it was a threat, right? Yeah. He could have an ulterior motive. Like you said, he's starting his own food truck or, or, or kitchen or something. he's like, wow, this equipment's nice. And you know, in the end he did offer to pay Stefano via social media influence. Oh my God. (laughs) Which is like, how, how do you monetize that?
1: Yeah, and if he's if he's making these giant meals for Antonio Brown and all of his friends, I'm sure he's not hurting for business. Like, it's not as though, you know...
0: Yeah, he's like, I don't need you to shout me out on Instagram, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I cook for the followers. NFL's pro afford me. Yeah. So that's why it's kind of like... Yeah, he was like, no, thank you. I'll take money, please. <laughs> but um, I, I think it might be... This, this is kind of like, I've been thinking about it a lot. It's a crazy story. I don't think Antonio's dumb enough to think that a fish head is a threat. I think it's like, not that he's, not that it's dumb. I know there's a lot of misinterpretations. I'm not saying anybody's dumb. There can be misinterpretations, miscommunications, but I just don't. I think he would probably know that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. But, and I'm sure you've been there. I, I know sometimes you go out to dinner, right? I'm painting a picture here. And you want to ball out and you want to just go have a big night of celebrating. Yeah. And then and you're like, "Hey, let's get an appetizer. Let's get another round of cocktails, whatever." Yeah. And then when the bill comes, you're like, "Oh, fuck. Oh. That's that it really cost that much." Yeah. <laughs> so, I think it could have been one of those situations. He yeah. I mean, he, we'll see how he does this year in Oakland, but he has been the best receiver in the game for a while. He's got a big personality. I'm sure he invited a lot of other superstars from the NFL, big personalities. It was in Miami or near Miami.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm sure there was a lot of hot shots there. He was like, I got this celebrity chef to come. It's all on me, Nino Brown. Come over, everyone. We're turning up in my mansion. Everything's on me. This dude's cooking us a crazy thing on me. And then he got the bill at the end, and I don't even want to know how much that bill was. That bill was yeah. probably more than my annual salary.
1: Yeah. He just he just can't, you know, embarrass himself in front of all those people.
0: But, I mean, he, he has the money, but you can't be like, oh, shit, I'm not trying to pay $70,000 for this dinner, yeah. or whatever it was, because there's a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And it was
1: like a whole weekend, I think, that he was like hosting this like AB Pro Bowl weekend. And maybe that's why we saw this whole contract fiasco. Mm. We worried that Bill was eventually going to come due. And it was like, I got to find a way out of here and get a fatter check. And get as far away from Florida as possible.
0: Yeah, that's true. What's he that? is from Florida, so he's definitely going to go back. But you're probably yeah. right. He was probably like, yo, I need some guaranteed money fast. Because this dinner <laughs> bill is so insane.
1: It was just dropping salmon heads all over the place. But I. I, I but we've also all been to, you know a restaurant and similarly wanting to wanting to ball out wanting to impress maybe someone you're with mm-hmm. and you order something that's expensive. You don't necessarily know what it is cause it's in a different language. Um, and then you get arise and like, Oh, that's, that's a, you know, a goat kidney or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he wasn't really fully aware of what this would entail. And he didn't really want to confront the realities of it. And he was like, Oh, there, like, there's a, I guess it all kind of came crashing home. like, there's a Sam giant salmon head in my fridge. Like, what else is going to be brought into my home that I'm not comfortable with? I can't use this fridge ever again because there's a, a salmon head in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: That did seem weird. I hope they at least wrapped it in something outside. So was that like, don't way. just throw it all. Just don't just throw a salmon head in my fridge. Like, why do you even need yeah. to keep it? Can't they just throw it away? I am a little confused about why they needed to keep the salmon head. Do you think well, it was like for display at the end or?
1: Yeah, yeah, they probably were going to, I would imagine they would have the fillets and then maybe position the head at the top sort of to echo like, here's what you're going to be eating. It's like, here's the fish as an ode to the, yeah. do all these fillets. I don't know. That and is maybe, probably what they were doing. I don't know. But having worked in a restaurant, I mean, there are times when you can get, those fridges are different, you know? I, I mean, I remember when I was in high school working at a restaurant, walking to the walk-in and being confronted with a, a pig carcass hanging about a foot in front of my face. And it, it definitely made an impression. And I can't even imagine that happening in your own home, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, one, one story that my grandfather has told me several times is about my great-grandmother walking into – oh, this would have been my great-great-grandmother because this is my grandfather's grandmother. And he said that she walked into her barn uh, and found a man's carcass hanging on one of the meat hooks in her barn. <laughs> and so then she basically
1: this
0: story really hits
1: home for you
0: so this one i almost feel (laughs) i almost feel a little profiled with this story but then i mean it wasn't a big deal i guess she just went and told one of her nephews like you better make sure this is out of here by the end of the day and it was
1: (laughs) to make sure this human carcass (laughs) is out of here (laughs) So everything worked out. fine. I mean, when I your find like pot in your room like that better be flushed down the toilet when I come back.
0: Yeah, it's a little different, huh with the yeah, body. Little different. No, I do think it's really that that we were just talking about. It's like you never want to be exposed in front of your friends and peers. Yeah, I think you're right. Of not balling as hard as you project yourself to ball. Yeah, and then it's like, oh no, this bill's too much for me. Like you can't say that. When yeah. you say it's on me, you can't be like, oh, actually, can everybody Venmo me five bucks?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. then it's
0: not on you. You look corny.
1: Yeah. It's very true. Yeah, it's very really
0: true. Anyway, hopefully for his sake, Antonio can do something next week to keep himself out of the I'm Open podcast and on the field, and just go back to balling out. We're I think we're both rooting for him. I love to watch him oh, play.
1: One yeah, players to watch. Certainly. Yeah, he's
0: one of the most fun players to watch. He's so entertaining. I love the guy. I just want to you know just just focus on balling out on the field and you know I, like i just i don't make the topics i just when when they come to me i i yeah.
1: ride with them that's the way it works he's been a mine. i mean yeah. his nickname also is nino though i mean i think he might know something we don't know david so you think he knows
0: about the secret he the secret the florida favorite. mob see oh, i maybe- have been watching sopranos and carmine jr little carmine moves down to florida and he starts the oh, kind of yeah. florida branch the miami branch of the new york uh, carmine family so maybe it's this so maybe it's little carmines you know followers or the the maybe little carmine taught him how it works and maybe like you said maybe we just got some super woke sort of farm to table local ingredients monsters yeah. down in miami
1: I mean, it's sweeping the nation. Who's to say it shouldn't infiltrate the mob? You know that sort of organic, locally sourced m- mentality.
0: Exactly, dude. Next time they're gonna, the, next time, next time, they're gonna be threatening people with like a fresh mango salsa, and avocado toast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, invasive feral hogs. Exactly. They should only.
0: open family as we all know there's something we have to do every single episode before we say goodbye that is to recognize our mask off performer of the week elijah do you know who the mask
1: off performer of the week is in honor of um i believe uh nadavius uh future don't know his last name <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes it is in honor of future thank you so much future for all that you've done for the i'm open podcast. Yeah can't thank him enough.
1: Mask on. Fuck it. Mask off, mask, mask on. Dog. Fuck it. Mask, on. mask
0: So, I'm Open Family. Our Mask Off Performer of the Week, every week, goes to someone not who doesn't necessarily mean it's good, doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. We have had folks all over the board. What it really means is you have taken your mask off. You have revealed something new about yourself this week that we didn't know before. And that's why it's the Mask Off Performer of the Week. You've taken your mask off for the public. Now, for this week, our Mask Off Performer is none other than my very favorite coach, John Gruden. Coach Gruden. Double Raiders. Double Raiders. Now, this man actually coaches Antonio Brown, so we're ending on a double Raiders. But this one really has nothing to do with football either or fish. This has to do with... Something that I believe every single American, you know, I'm not just saying naturalized citizens. I'm saying if you spent more than a, more than a year in this country and I consider you to be American or even more than a couple days, you probably know how to do this. But this is something John Gruden does not know how to do at all, which is sing happy birthday. Now, Elijah, I sent you a video. I would like you to now. Play the video. Now, Elijah has not seen this before. This is a video of John Gruden singing Happy Birthday. Happy Birthday to Mike Mayock. He
1: gets ready. Happy Birthday to you. I gotta go one
0: more time. Yeah, run it back. Run it back. Happy Birthday to Mike Mayock. You guys ready. Happy Birthday to you.
1: Happy Birthday. <laughs> Oh, so it's really
0: just a five second clip, to be honest, but it gives you enough. This it almost makes. And this he's my favorite coach. I love him. He's forcing his his colleagues and players to sing "Happy Birthday" to one of his other colleagues, Mike Mayock, during practice, and he does not know how the tune of "Happy Birthday" goes. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, how could he have missed this? He's like, oh, probably like a fifty. He's a man in his fifties.
1: Yeah. No, I mean. <laughs> He, not only does he not know the tune, he doesn't appear to know that there is any tune at all to the song. <laughs> any sort
0: of <laughs> cadence, rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, Coach Gruden, and I love the man. It's okay. Oh, He's not scared to fail. Love him. Can't wait to get you on the show, Coach. But he starts the song how most people end the song. <laughs> Like, he started the song with, like, Happy birthday to
1: you. Oh, and you that know? was how we started this song. It's like... this training camp. He's got to get his guys in shape, you know, yeah. to the end. How, you, how, how could, is it? I mean,
0: maybe his rhythm and, and musical talent is just that poor. But, like, how could you go to... How could you live this long... And literally have no idea how the birthday song
1: goes. There's also maybe he just wants to put everyone at ease. You know, maybe some people are a little bit self conscious about their singing voices. And he's, you know, putting himself out there, so people will think, you know, well, like I can't I can't be worse than that. <laughs> oh my god.
0: He really is one of the worst things. like, Yeah, happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> you know, it's one giant descent. Yeah, but it's like that's why you love Coach because he's not scared to look stupid. He's not scared to do wild stuff. And I mean, there was another awesome moment that I that I posted uh, for the I'm Open family on Instagram of him during quarterback drills and chasing around Derek Carr and chasing around uh, Nathan Peterman, like rah rah, like <laughs> like yelling at him, like trying to distract him as they like as they drop back. So he's just not scared to go after it, and I love yeah. that about Coach.
1: I think. Are you going to post this clip? online of him singing yeah. yeah i've got to post it for the family yeah, yeah but i also love the hand motion sort of the sort of like chopping aggressive hand motion as he sings Yeah, which he's, is doing... if he's giving like a motivational speech it's like <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> to you
0: he's kind of doing like the semi, the like
1: seminoles tomahawk birthday. chop that they do yeah exactly <laughs> exactly he spent some time in tampa bay maybe picked it up there <laughs> happy birthday happy birthday, birthday to you
0: <laughs> though to be fair a lot of people have, have sung happy birthday most people don't sing it well it is a hard song to sing well yeah
1: i mean i i'm making fun of him
0: i can't say i could do much better but you at least know the way the tune is supposed to go <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So I used to do theater stuff in, in like middle school and high school, and I would always be like boy number nine, guy carrying the basket, dad who passes away in a car accident, you know, like yeah. nameless characters. And I think the reason why is every time they would be like, what song are you going to sing? And I'd be like, no, I don't know. I don't know what song. And they're like, just sing happy birthday. And not that I'm the best singer anyway, but, like, nobody really sounds good singing happy birthday, no matter how good you are. Yeah, it's not a great song. It isn't a great song. I mean, this is a good and a a bad mask off bad because he's got no musical talents and he's really –
1: But he has all the confidence in the world, which is better Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Unless you are a singer by trade, I'll take the confidence.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you're a pro football coach, having confidence and not being scared to, you know, kind of be be in the spotlight – be in the crosshairs,
1: that's actually a greater skill than singing talent. And I know at least, um, when you go to a karaoke bar or something like that, often my favorite performers are not necessarily the best singers, the people who just go for it no matter what. The best stage presence. Yeah, exactly. Just people who just, you know, are going to screech JoJo's Get Out with no care for the rhythm or the tune
0: yeah, I would love, we're going to have to set that up. I'll get in touch with these people, but I really cannot wait to do karaoke with Coach Gruden because that would be a night to remember and forget.
1: Yeah, probably. But also, I think we also have to remember. I mean, I think singing a happy birthday in a public setting is probably a lot like throwing out the first pitch at a baseball game. Mm. Well, everyone thinks they could do it, and we mm-hmm. love to meet other people, but, you know, a lot of people who you think might be athletic get out there and, you know, bounce it six times and...
0: That's why I think we should this is a song that my cousins actually taught me that I think should be our new official birthday song. Uh, for America and for the world. And now I know the Stevie Wonder "Happy Birthday" shout out to Stevie yeah. the legend. But this is a different one, a little bit more underground. It goes like, "You have a birthday, we have fun, we sing to you. You have a birthday, we have fun, we sing to you. We're singing Happy Birthday. We sing to you. We're singing Happy Birthday. We sing to you. Hey, oh yeah. What like do you that. think of that
1: like a baseball song?
0: Yeah, it's a little more peppy, because it's like, yeah, why is happy birthday so slow? It seems like happy birthday, when you sing it at a party, gets slower and slower as it goes, and then people are like, happy birthday, mm-hmm. it takes about an hour and a half to and finish When, when song. you
1: get to like, the part where you say the name, people always don't know quite what, Mike, Michael, Dad. Aunt, you know. Aunt oh, Michael. <laughs> Yeah, honey, it up. honey. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that when you say you have a birthday, we have fun. It doesn't you? Don't have to say who it is, Grandma. It's easier. It's easier. Yeah,
1: certainly.
0: Well, anyway, congratulations to Coach Gruden and um, Elisa. Thank you so much for popping back uh, into the I'm Open podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Is there anything you'd like to share with our fans uh, and the I'm Open family before you say uh, good night?
1: Actually, yes. Uh, for a long time, I've had the Gavin DeGraw song "I Don't Want to Be." I, was like, I don't want to be anything other than what I've been sure. trying to be. Uh, exactly, that's been stuck in my head. Um, that's a good years, one, man. For for about it's a matter of years. I would years. Say, I would say seven to ten years, somewhere in that neighborhood. And recently, uh, maybe a month ago, I heard the song or it came into my head and i realized wow i haven't thought about this song in a long time so i'm finally clean and i just wanted to share that
0: wow so, so you're 9 months clean without listening to Gras? what
1: about 9 it's hard to know exactly where that line was drawn but
0: now i hate to make you go back into these dark days but do you ever do you remember what kind of first got you hooked
1: uh you know it's an earworm yeah can... it is but i i know i don't know Any of the other words. I only know that one line.
0: Well, that's a classic line. (laughs) And then something that I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. The next line.
1: That sounds right. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you.
0: It is a great, that would be a good karaoke song.
1: Yeah. Well, with John, we can. We'll have John try it out next time.
0: John Gruden singing Gavin DeGraw. Live.
1: Man, I got to come up for
0: that one. All right. Well, thanks, Elijah, for being on the show. and We can't wait to have you back on soon.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I look forward to it.
0: Thanks again for listening to I'm Open Podcast. I hope you had almost as much fun as we did. Don't forget to give our show a rating and tell a friend to listen to I'm Open Podcast today and now you can follow us on Instagram at I'mopen underscore pod for unique sports content you won't find anywhere else and to get your very own I'm open hat everyone have a great night and don't forget to stay open.